0: Hi everybody, the George Wilder. Hi everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air.
1: it, is. freedom. <laughs> this is what I call freedom. Well. You want it?
2: internet radio show making a world a better
0: place one show at a time the George water jr. show is now on the air take it away dad thank you thank you everybody and thanks for listening thanks for tuning in thanks for sharing a little bit of your time With the George Wilder Jr. show. I'm a little somber um, on this day because I was just watching, um, we we were just watching actually uh, some clips uh, from the uh, nightly news of this devastating hurricane in in Mexico, Mexico City to be uh, precise. And it's just, it's just, dominating the news cycle, this thing in Mexico, even though we have uh, a devastating hurricane that's battering or have battered Puerto Rico. This is just phenomenal. Uh, They're still digging for people in the rubble in Mexico City. I mean, buildings are falling on top of people, literally. Uh, And... uh, the thing about it a lot of americans are headed to mexico or are in mexico to lend a hand that's what americans do that's what we do we lend a hand we help in any way that we can but you know these disasters these natural disasters seem to not to let up and now everybody now most people are just thinking about california because remember there you know every so often there used to be uh, some sort of a earthquake in california i'm hearing a couple of weeks ago, there were that that there was an earthquake in California, but it was so small. Uh, it was small and minute, but still, in all, it was an earthquake. And everybody's <laughs> wondering when the big one is going to hit. Do not wonder when the big one is going to hit. Just hope the big one doesn't hit. But with all these with all with all these natural disasters around the country. Uh, Hurricane uh, Harvey in Texas, uh, Irma, and now we got uh, Maria, and uh, this is probably the most powerful storm of all, Maria, because it has battered, crucified uh, Puerto Rico. But people are are on their way from the United States and other countries to help out in that in that devastated part of the world, and. Um, I, I was looking at some footage on uh, people in shelters, people on top of each other in shelters. People lost everything, their homes, their, their lives. You know, it it's just devastating. And now they're in in Puerto Rico there's uh, uh just like uh, Mexico, New uh now I was gonna say New Mexico. This is called Mexico City. I'm I'm thinking it's in Mexico. Um there's a search for survivors. And I'm hearing that um, a schoolhouse fell on a lot of children, fell on quite a few kids were killed Uh, and they're still buried in the rubble somewhere and people are, uh, rescuers are actually trying to uh, find more children who died in this, uh, when the school collapsed because of the earthquake. There are some kids who survived, but you know, a lot passed away. So, and I'm on this. I understand that the death toll in Mexico City is is um, 225, and probably more than that now. You know, 225 people perished and counting. You know, it's you know, because the more they dig, the more they pull up bodies, and that adds to the count. So it, it may be more than this now. And I'm pretty sure there's some deaths in Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico. Uh, uh, the Virgin Islands, Caribbean, you know, some of those um, uh, islands out in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, it, it is a very a sad. Uh, it, it's a sad commentary. You know, um, people buried in rubble, and uh, and as I speak, people are being you know rescued. People are working their butts off to try to save people and try to pull them up out of the rubble. But you know that's going to be an ongoing thing. And you know, people are trying to save people, and uh, because of this cur- current hurricane with, with how many winds? Uh, it's, it was a uh, 7.1 earthquake in Mexico City. School buildings went crushing down on top of school kids. And all right, Hurricane Maria slams Puerto Rico, batters Puerto Rico. Damn it has taken Puerto Rico off, off the map. Maria is a 155 mph uh, winds. Maria, 155 miles an hour winds, in Puerto Rico, power outages, flooding, you name it. It's going to be years for this, um, island, this country to get back on its feet. You know, so Puerto Rico is a region of, um, uh, The United States, we have some sort of uh, uh, claim on it. Still and all, claim or no claim, this is awful. This is totally awful. School children uh, uh, battered uh, in this thing. In these. In these. In this thing. I mean, it's happening so often and so frequent. And as I've mentioned yesterday on the show and the day before on the show. it could have something to do with climate change. Climate change, you know. Um, But anyway, climate change, um, whatever, you know, these disasters are more likely man-made disasters. It's something that we're doing in the ground, on top of the ground, in the air. It's something... Something is causing this thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just a natural phenomenon. Who knows? All right. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. My guest scheduled for today is Tarita Buchanan, and uh, we're gonna have try to have a little fun on the show today because uh, you know, even though with all the destruction and mayhem, uh, weather and natural disasters around the country, it's it's hard to kind of sit in a place where there's nothing really happening and hear about all of this stuff that's going on uh, going on around the world. And you have to think of yourself as being blessed because you think of yourself as having you, you have your home, you have your, your 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 momentals, you have your furniture, you have your you have a roof over your head. Uh, you have your car. You, there's a garage in the back. I mean, you all and there's people around the world who have lost everything lost all of that they have to go and uh to a shelter with a thousand other people who have uh, who have gone through a lot of a lot of uh similar things that these folks have gone through so it it has to play on your mind it has to be traumatic you work all your life for something and all of a sudden it's taken away from you uh, through uh a natural disaster, and uh, you know you you feel for those folks. and uh, as I've said before and I'll say it again, um, stay positive, stay up, stay focused, um, use your uh, your ambition, your talent to rebuild. you have no choice. This is no time to feel down and re- I mean you can cry, you can feel remorseful. you can feel. Uh, as if the world has caved in on you. Uh, no pun intended, but you can't cry forever. You can't moan and groan forever. Moaning and groaning forever, you'll never uh, rebuild. You'll never have that zeal to go out there and restart your life after this horror of a natural disaster. So, you, you know, you, you have to keep Uh, keep your senses about you. There's nothing wrong with, as I've I've said, there's nothing wrong with feeling sad and feeling down and feeling a great loss. It's natural, but don't wallow in it. You know, don't um, let it get you down where where you're depressed, you're feeling worthless, uh, God don't like you, or something like that. I mean, you have to you have to rebuild you have to rebuild welcome to the george wilder jr show on blog talk radio and we will be right back We're going to be uh, talking about these natural disasters on the George Wilder Jr. Show in and every so often on, to, on the show because it's just so devastating and it's being covered by every other outlet out there. So, you know, uh, this show is about making the world a better place and we, we have to uh, keep our senses about us and, and to um, focus on rebuilding, rebuilding all, all over the place okay all right <laughs> jimmy kendall jimmy kimball whose son is in the hospital and he his son has all kind of tubes and uh up you know keeping him alive and i and i'm and i'm thinking he's saying here that uh, uh some i'm not sure who it is but some politician lied to him he's saying it that he was lied to by a politician he was told a falsehood by a politician yeah this is this is world news uh, and I, I think i did see a headline somewhere about this on huffington post i'm i was thinking it was a joke because he's he's a comedian he's a late night comedian like like jay leno or jimmy fallon or 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 you know uh, David Letterman, he's a late night comedian. He's pretty funny. Jimmy Kimball, I think, is funnier than Jimmy Fallon. Um, But he said that uh, a politician lied to him. I'm thinking it it has something to do with health care. Okay, I'm not too familiar with what he's talking about, why this guy lied. But I have a feeling with his son in the hospital... Uh, his son is hanging on, his son is hanging on for dear life, I'm pretty sure he was probably, it has something to do with health care. I guess he was saying something like, do not uh, cut off my son's health care or something to that effect, but it has something uh, uh, related to that. Now, I'll read the article a little later on and we'll really get the facts down, But but there's no doubt about it. The headline is that This politician, GOP politician, lied to him. And Jimmy Jimmy Kimball, I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing his name for some reason. Jimmy Kimball, you should know this. We all know this. Politicians lie. If it's a Republican politician, they're going to lie. It is no way you're gonna get around believing anything a Republican politician say. They will say anything for the convenience of saying it, and once they're out of your <laughs> sight, you'll find out that they actually lied to you. But I think that this politician who lied to Jimmy Kendall, Jimmy Kimball, did himself a disservice because Jimmy Kendall Kimball is a television a personality. And now, wherever this politician is from, whether this politician is a representative or a senator in Congress, whatever state or city that this politician who lied to Jim, Jimmy Kimball uh, represents, their constituency is going to see this. So, therefore, this politician who lied to, this, to Jimmy Kimball, a television personality, I'm thinking, hey, wow, he just lost his job. I gotta look at the guy he looks menacing he looks like he's looks like he hates the world you know he he just looks like he's gonna gobble somebody up he's just mean and angry looking white guy Uh, he's a politician he's a trump ass kisser what can you say and they lie put it this way trump is a donald trump is a pathological liar and donald trump lies just about every time he opens his mouth. And he's the president of the United States. So a lot of people fig- figure if Donald Trump lies and he's the president of the United States, then they ought to be lying. It's okay for them to lie. And that's, a lot of, and that's what a lot of these Republicans are thinking. Well, we, uh, well, well, our president is a liar, so let us go out there and start lying. And believe it or not, a lot of stupid people think that way but and then there's a but i think there's more smart people out here in the world i think there's more intelligent people more bright people more logical thinking folks who will always who will always want truth to be number 1 in the united states truth you know so no matter how much these republicans lie I mean, politicians have been lying for years. They lie all the time. We have, uh, There's a few in the city of Chicago. You know, they lie through their damn teeth. And they think you're stupid. I mean, they lie so much that, you know. But you know what? A lot of people believe them. A lot of people believe them. And they vote for these folks. And then after these folks are in office, They, a lot of the voters regret their votes because, uh, you know, the politicians lie. They're going to lie their way into office. They're going to con their way into office. They're going to tell you everything and anything you want to hear. But once they're in office, screw you, F you. You know, because that's how it is. And I've said this several times to folks. If you are a voter, make sure you uh, vote the right way. Do not put somebody in because they sound good. Do not vote for somebody because they say they're going to give you, uh, make your life better for you. Do not vote for someone because they're cute and handsome. Do not vote for someone who doesn't have your interest at heart but lies and say they do do not vote for someone who has a nice sounding name you have to vet people you have to research and find out what did they vote for uh, what kind of person they are you know because politicians will lie they will deceive just to get your vote and i have to say i'm i'm I mean, I'm a voter. I voted all my life. And I have to say that I'm pretty smart when it comes to voting. Because the majority of the people who are in office now, I didn't vote for them. And they are the folks who are wrecking this economy. They are the folks who, who are raising taxes. And every time I think about it, I say to myself, and I say to my family here, I'll say, wow. I had enough brains not to vote for that person but those 10,000 people over there they did not and this person who they voted for is now wrecking their lives taking away their happiness you just can't <laughs> you just cannot vote for anybody because they sound good they were they were a pretty good suit they're handsome they're pretty they're beautiful they, those are the ones that are going to wring your neck once you vote for them and they get into office. Because right now we've got a Congress right now that doesn't give two dams about the American people. We've got a Congress right now that doesn't give a damn about what you say about them. They doesn't give a damn about uh, how awful we think uh, Donald Trump is they don't give a damn that we're calling them every day to impeach his ass, they don't care. And majority of the American people know that the Republicans do not give a damn about them or anybody. The Republicans care about one thing, two things, their party, they care about their party. They're representing their meager party, their party of rich, and they don't care if you voted for them or not, they don't care if you like them or not. They don't give a damn. <laughs> they just don't give a damn. And a lot of them know at this point in juncture that come November 2018, a lot of them are going to be voted out of office. They were told by their constituency that they're going to be voted out. But still in all, they are still going to ride with Donald Trump and Donald Trump is gonna ride their asses right out onto the streets. You have to uh, uh, pay attention, you're voting for, or you're gonna vote with, or someone you're gonna put in office. You just cannot go out there and these guys are walking, these guys and girls are walking up and down the street with a petition, hey, I'm running for office. Can I have your uh, name and address? Are you a voter? Sign my petition. That's okay, you can sign the petition, but you make sure you go in, you go and um, check this person out. Because you don't want to put somebody in office that's going to not represent you as they promised, because that's what's going on now. These guys and girls are uh, Republicans, conservatives, they are not representing America. 80% to 85% of the people want Donald Trump out of their office. Right now, I'm hearing that some of the Republicans are saying uh, 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 to, uh, mute, to uh, mute the calls of coming into Congress. That means that they don't want to take your call. They don't want to hear you saying anything about impeaching Donald Trump. Because right now, they're focused on... A, on on another issue, and that is trying to repeal Obamacare once again. And I'm hearing this is a better healthcare bill, but I I don't know. But anyway, they are trying to repeal it again. And I've said this a thousand times, the Republicans control everything. They control the governorships around the country. They control the House of Representatives. They control the Senate. They have the White House. So as long as they control everything, Obamacare is in their hands. It belongs to them. All they got to do is just dismantle it. And they're having a hard time doing that because they're having a hard time getting the votes to do that. But even if Obamacare fails a hundred times with the Republicans, a hundred times they can bring it back and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying until it's gone. And I got a feeling they're gonna it, they're gonna keep trying until it's gone. Let's say this latest attempt for them to try to repeal Obam- Obamacare fails, then they're gonna try it again. It fails If it fails, it, it's gonna try it again. If It fails that time, it's gonna try it again. The only and, and that's how it's gonna go. unless they just completely give up. <laughs> you know, they might completely give up. as Donald Trump said uh, a few weeks back, let Obamacare fail on its own. Because if Obamacare fails on its own, it means that they're refusing to fund it. And I believe that goes against the Constitution. Anyway, as we know, the Republicans, they don't care about the Constitution. They use the Constitution for toilet paper, and they laugh about it. Wow. Wow. All right, (laughs) you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. Folks, we really got a lot of work to do out here. Uh, We really do. And it's up to us, not up to the Republicans. Of course, they're not going to do anything. They're too busy lap-dogging for Donald Trump. Uh, They don't have the balls or or the gall to try and and make this country, the America, uh, make America. really, really great again, because the only way America is going to be great again, we got to get rid of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is taking America down the toilet. I mean, this guy was at a United Nation. He was on the world stage. He was on the world stage, you know, the other day, a couple of days ago, he was right there giving a speech, threatening, Jim, <laughs> threatening Kim Jong-un, calling him... <laughs> <laughs> Calling him the Rocket Man. I mean, when I heard this, I, calling him the Rocket Man, you might have heard it, I'm pretty sure. It's, it's all over everywhere. Mr. Rocket Man, the Rocket Man. I mean, Rocket Man, if you're an Elton John's fan, then you know that's a very, very, that's a 1974, 73 Elton John song called Rocket Man. And... <laughs> And I'm pretty, and I'm hearing Elton John is pissed, you know. But anyway, he called Kim Jong Un because he's he's always uh, launching these missiles, and so he calls Kim Jong Un Rocket Man. And a lot of us uh, Twitter lit up on this, you know. And I, I, you know, put in my little two cents also. Rocket man, you know, I'm thinking, a rocket, these are missiles. Does he actually think that Kim Jong-un is launching rockets instead of missiles? These are missiles. Rockets are usually manned by a person. You know, I think rockets went out with uh, Flash Gordon, I believe, (laughs) of the 30s. You know, so and um, <laughs> Rocket Man, I can just hear uh, the song uh, written in uh, by uh, Elton John, Rocket Man. I'm pretty sure that's getting a lot of play on the radio stations now. I mean, this guy's crazy. If he thinks that Kim Jong un is launching rockets, this guy it's missiles, he doesn't know the difference. This is just another example of many examples that Donald Trump has been on the world stage where he has totally, totally embarrassed the United States and Americans. He is totally (laughs) embarrassed. Rocket man. I I just can't get that. I mean, I I used to love the song. I still do. But to call Kim Jong-un rocket man as if he's launching rockets and not missiles, when he's actually launching missiles and not rockets. And he, he made a statement that he was going to destroy, annihilate North Korea. Then, after, then the next day, he comes back and he sort of softens his tone. This is Donald Trump. One day he says something totally, totally ridiculous in a speech. Then the next day he comes and tries to clean it up because he's getting so much backlash from it. So people don't like that. And, you know, and people are embarrassed about it. People are, uh, you know, and then he comes and tries to clean it up and can't. Sometimes he'll try to clean something up and it just gets worse. It gets worse with Donald Trump. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We want to send our thoughts and prayers out to those folks who have been dealing with some of these natural disasters that's been going on around the country. If I sound a little somber, I am because people are dying. People are dead. Uh, Earthquakes in Mexico, hurricanes out here destroying Puerto Rico and some of the other islands out here in the Atlantic so we have to keep some of those folks in our prayers definitely it's it's the world has just gone crazy all right let's go here all right you're on the George Wilder Jr. show
3: Um, George this is Tarita Buchanan-Moore thank you again for having me back how are you
0: I'm fine. Thank you for doing the show again. Yeah, this is Tarita Buchanan. She's on the show for the second time. This is an encore. Yes.
3: Yes, it is. Hello,
0: hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. All righty. Just give us uh, uh, your bio once more and just tell us what you've been doing.
3: My name is Tarita Buchanan-Moore. I am the author of My Sweet Thoughts of Poetry, and I'm super, super excited from the last time I spoke with you, George. I've been um, having a couple of book launches. Um, I like to call them pop-up book launches in, in support of African-American businesses. So I'll be coming to Chicago in October. Um, I'll have those dates on my website, and that's more, and that's T-E-R-I-T-A-B-U-C-H a n a n m o o r e dot com so i'm super super excited um i'm um happy to that the book is doing well and i'm and excited about that because, like you stated, there's so much going on in the world, and we all can use a little bit of hope and encouragement through these times
0: yeah, and I think reading poetry or just reading in general kind of take your mind off of what's going on in the world because it's just, it's just sad. And I want to congratulate you on your book. You say it's doing well. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah. Are you going to be doing, um, are you going to be doing another book of poetry since this is doing so well? Um,
3: actually, um, actually I will be doing uh, my second book is slated to come out mm-hmm. in 2018 and it's entitled okay. a widow story. Actually, the A widow story was the one that was supposed to be originally the first book, um, and mm-hmm. the portrait book itself is somewhat of a introduction to a widow story because the a widow story is more in depth, how my husband was murdered, protecting um our yeah. neighbors from the burglar inside. Um, mm-hmm. It goes more into depth of that story, whereas the portrait book is more speaking in terms of my thoughts how I felt becoming now a a widow uh, unexpectedly at the age of 33, navigating through those parts of uh, my journey and how I raised uh, my three sons. So the poetry allowed me to get my thoughts out, transform those thoughts into a poetry, which is a neat thing, because as you know, reading and writing allow you to escape from the things that you're going through, and it'll allow you to get those emotions out that you wouldn't, uh it, it's best to get them out instead of keeping everything bottled up.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, when I sit down and write, I mean I just uh uh it's just a it's sort of a stress buster for me. You know, I mean I I mm-hmm. just release a lot of tension because I'm actually creating and 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 when I'm creating I'm totally, totally focused. And uh yes. and I get it done like that. Yeah.
3: That That is so true. That's absolutely yeah. true.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It does allow you to, um, and it, it, it is a stress reliever. It really is because yeah. um, journaling is very important because it it allows you to take those uh, mixed emotions and those scattered thoughts and just to get them out on paper. And sometimes when you put things into, you just put things into words and get it out on paper and then you read it back, it, it's is really therapeutic because I go back and read it things is. that I wrote during the time and I was like, Wow, it's even it speaks to me now. It, and that's yeah. just mind blowing yeah.
0: Yeah, I do the same thing. When I write something down, I I'll I'll go back within a week or so and I'll, you know, read it out loud or have someone else read it out loud to me and I go, Damn, did I write that? That's good. You know? right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He "Wow, that's exactly." Great. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna. Then I'll go. I said, "Well, I'm gonna shine it up a little bit." But that's great, and and that's a, one of the best things you can do is write something, then let it sit for a while, and uh, you know, go back and read it, and you'll be amazed at what uh, how good it is, or or you find out you know the mistakes that you got to take care of. So right. it it it's it's it is therapeutic. It is. A refreshing and it's fun especially if you if you if you're enjoying what you're doing it's fun because once you publish that book of poetry or that fiction uh someone the the person who reads it or downloads it buys it you know they will have just as much fun reading it as you've had writing it
3: this is so true that is so true yeah
0: yeah would you like to you, uh, it, it, give us... It's
3: just happy.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was going to say, would you like to read an excerpt from uh, your... Uh, give us some poetry uh, from one of your books?
3: Sure. Um, sure. Um, the one is where it's, it's near and dear to my heart. It's entitled A Widow's Story. And it, mm-hmm. it, it goes as, He was snatched from my grasp in the blink of an eye tragically taken by a thief in the night, my soulmate lost his life. In 15 minutes, I became widow, no longer a wife. Not by choice though, it was pure evil, unleashed upon me and my family. 10 years later, still in disbelief, when buried memories begins to surface like a vengeance from my own remembrance, this past nightmare becomes a true reality of flash-and-frame shots, stomach-balled in knots, as I sadly recall the worst day of all, how I found him, laying helplessly in a pool of blood-gun residue upon his skin. In a state of shock, I mournfully watched as my sister tried to revive him. Holding on by a thread, I surely thought I'd lose my mind instead. No one can erase 38 years of his soul existence in a short period of time. As the thought of physically not seeing him again leaves a deep, empty hole within that no man can fill. The thoughts of where we could have been often runs through my head, yet I press on and I remain strong. For I know that this is something that I could never get over or understand how and why this was written in our life plan day by day i'm doing the best that i can i press on and it's been a long long time that i felt this pain and just remembrance of him again but each day i thank god for giving me the gift to share a present time with my true love thank you
0: Yeah, that was powerful. That was wonderful, yeah. and uh, I can see that you still have Sorry, this on your Sorry, I get a little mind. choked
3: up every time I yeah. every time I say <laughs> that. It just the you know I, I find myself reliving it, but it, it's more yeah. of a sense of it's a different type of pain, George. It's a pain yeah. where um, I lived it, but I know I can help others as well. So yeah. you'll never get over it. You just learn to feel yeah. live through it. But what You're I right have about learned that. in all this, you do. You do.
4: Yeah. What I've yeah, learned um, about it
3: a pain. hmm hmm Is that you can't you can't go around pain. You you can't go over it. You actually have to feel the true healing is when you go through it. So in going through that, um, I'm honored to help someone else because I know what it's like. I've been yeah, there, I felt yeah. the times where you wanted to, you know, those moments. So my whole soul mission, like I tell everyone, is to continuously tell my story in the hopes of helping someone else.
0: You know, that's what it's all about, is helping someone else. Because, because if, it, if, it, if it happened to you, it can happen to other people. And sometimes exactly. other, people, other people may not be as strong. So uh, that, that's what it's all about. And um, what do you like about writing in general?
3: I, I find what writing does is it, mm-hmm. it things that writing for me is more of. Some people, I like to write and light my candle. Writing for me is more of a meditation. You know, I love to pray as well, but writing is like a component with my um, prayers because it allows me to just go in a place where I get into myself. And it's almost as if you're experiencing an out-of-body experience where you're going deep within yourself and you're pulling out those things otherwise that you could say voice, um, but you voice it in a way in the form of writing. You're still speaking, but in my writing for me is like my silent speaking where people can hear the volumes of my heart in terms of if I'm sad or happy mm-hmm. or experiencing joy, whatever that is for me. So, um writing is more of my meditation, my uh, peaceful mm-hmm. sessions where it allows me to become intact with myself.
0: So when you're writing, do you listen to soft music or is it very quiet space time or, or how do you approach it?
3: It varies. It varies. Okay. It, it, sometimes mm. I, I can find myself writing in silence and then there yeah. are moments where I may have, I love jazz music. I love, love, love yeah. jazz and, or gospel. Or, you know, I love music in general but I'll mm-hmm. I'll it'll gently play and I'll get into that space and always like to say I have a um I like to sit in my huge chair in my living room that's like my <laughs> thinking chair. Yeah.
0: That's my space, yeah. you
3: know. I I do everything yeah. you know yeah. I encourage everyone to get a space for themselves. Yeah. Just get a, a space where you can you can just transition from other things to that place because a lot of times we get so stressed out from Mm -hmm. working or being parents or going about our day-to-day routine that we need, everyone needs a space for themselves where they can just transition Mm -hmm. from one place to the next because a lot of times we'll bring work home with us, we'll bring situations home with us, and we never allow ourselves to have that space in which, where we could go to just, to uh, reflect, to rejuvenate ourselves, and just have a calm moment with ourselves. We each, I encourage everyone out there, please take five to ten minutes to yourself and get in that place. It'll make the world of difference. It really does. So that's, was my, what, say... that's what writing does for me.
0: Okay. I was going uh, to say, uh, that was my next question I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, what would you say to people, to expiring writers out there, folks who want to write, but they put it off and, you know, they feel that they can't do it, or, or but they want to write. They want to be writers. What would you say to people who want to be writers?
3: I would say allow yourself, allow mm-hmm. yourself to write in a flow where it's somewhat of like brainstorming, that you don't try to go incorrect. Um, as you know, because you you mentioned that you're a writer as well, George, You don't go mm-hmm. back, don't worry about it not being perfect. Just let it flow. When you get in that moment yeah. of where you want to get things off your chest or off your mind, just write it in a flow until you can't write anymore, and then set it aside and come back at, another, uh, at a later date and look at what you have already have uh, put out there on the paper, and then you can go back. You may add on and change things because then you'll have a fresh mind. Because a lot of times, yeah. uh, when as writers, we want to get it all out at once. And as you know, we can go on and on, but then we'll reach a period may, where we, could, we may experience a little uh, fatigue or writer's block, if you will, uh, it's like let it flow as long as it possibly can, and then leave it alone. Then come back at a later
0: date. That's finish. exactly what I. That's exactly what I do. I call it a first draft. I just get everything yeah. down on the paper. <laughs> I just, I don't worry yeah. about mistakes, incorrect grammar. I just uh, try to get the story down on the paper, and it's going to be all messed up. But it's it's going to be there, you know. The next day I'll do the same thing. Bing, bing, bing. Just get it all down. Bing, bing, bing. You know, just get it all down. Then I'll set it aside uh, maybe for a day or two or a week or so. Then I'll come back back to it and I'll start trying to put it together, trying to, you know, editing it or, uh, you know, brainstorming it or whatever. And uh, then, you know, after I do that uh, for a couple of weeks and I'll, let it set aside, set it aside again and come back to it again, bing, 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 bing. And then, you know, I'll let someone read it or something. <laughs> and, uh, right. But see,
3: that, uh, that's that's correct. That's actually a good thing because as long as you're going back, when you go back yeah. and put it aside, just set yourself a time frame where you want to finish it and do it in sections because sometimes, you know, we want to get done. So what I found for me, Piecing and thing in and sections it helped me um stay in in the mode of it because sometimes you could get distracted from it because it can be come frustrating when you have so much to say and you're trying to figure out how to get all these things that you are having in in your mind out
4: yeah. where it yeah. can
3: be understood by the reader so that that right there that's a good um that's a good thing that you do your process yeah and
0: another all. thing i think you do i think you do you have to your writing has to flow it has to follow some sort of sequence you know you have to yes. have it in order you know it has to be you know the beginning the middle and the end you know so you know, so yes. readers don't get confused or something like that uh, um can you tell us where we can find your book give us a website and all that kind of thing
3: Yes, I am. Um, you can purchase the book on Amazon.com and mm-hmm. also uh, my website. Again, that website is www.terita and that's T E R I T A B U C H A N A N M O O R E.com.
0: Terita Buchanan.com. All right. Once again, I want to thank you for being on the show. I'm gonna go get this thank book, so and I much. think everybody's. I think everybody is listening. Go get the book, Donald. George, oh. and
3: let me know what you think oh, yeah. about it. Yes, let me know. You know. And I welcome on my website www. dot com. I welcome all feedback. Um, uh, I want to hear from everyone. I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, yeah. and as well as Twitter. So,
0: well,
3: once I get the clear. book, I, it's my absolute pleasure.
0: Once I once I get the book, I'll I'll give it a review. How is that?
3: Okay. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it.
0: (laughs) No problem. Tarita Buchanan on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you,
3: George. You as well. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. Tarita Buchanan on the George Wilder Jr. Show on this day. Uh, This is like the last end of uh, September. Yeah, it's about over. But uh, we're still having 90-degree weather in the city of Chicago, folks. 90-degree weather, and I believe this is the first day of fall. Yeah, the, the, one of the things I do know, daylight savings time is about to uh, is about to uh, come to an end. I just love long summer hot days. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Junior Show has now arrived.
4: We're
5: The Breakfast Club.
2: Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne, the guy we are, The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. That's right, Doctor Umar Johnson. Peace My and brother. love. Peace
6: How's and love, family. Bro? All as well. Glad to, to be back.
5: You. Now, now let's get right to it, man. In yes, light sir. of everything that's going on,
6: mm-hmm.
5: what are the solutions? I what think the... we've discussed the problem so much. What are the solutions?
6: All right. Before I state the solution. I would have to challenge you on that, because although we talk about the problems a lot, a lot of people don't understand how the problem operates. Gotcha. Let me give you an example. Take miseducation. Okay. People know the children aren't learning. They know black boys are not graduating. They know special ed is an issue. They know ADHD is a problem. But they don't know how this operates. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how the child goes from the classroom into the special education system. Okay. So they have to be taught how it operates. You follow? So we understand that police uh, genocide is a problem in the black community. We understand that uh, structural inequality, disproportionality, i.e. racism is a problem. But do we understand how racism operates? So I think that once you understand how the problem operates and manifests itself, you're now in a position to solve it. Mm. Someone comes to me for therapy. Before I do any therapy, what I do, a clinical history
4: mm.
6: is there depression in your family. Have you been depressed before? Have you ever contemplated suicide? So I have to understand your background and how you've been living your life in order to solve your current everyday problems. So now, coming to the present, what we're seeing going on around the country. Let's be honest. Africans were brought to America to serve. To serve. We're no longer necessary for the American economic order to operate. They don't need us to function. That explains the purging. That explains the ethnic cleansing. Even with all
5: these Negroes making money?
6: Well, remember now, when you look at the black folks who are rich, they are a small percentage of the general body politic of the community. You understand? Eighty five percent of black folks are struggling. Half of our children grow up in poverty. Most of our single parent black mothers are poor, even with a burgeoning rate of black women earning their college degrees. Mm. So simply put, black America is suffering despite the television projection of success. Yes, we are more educated than ever before. We have the bachelor's. We have the master's. We have the doctorates. But that er that education has not taken place alongside an increase in wealth acquisition. We're smarter, but we still don't own anything.
2: Mm. But we we know we're poor. We know some of us are not well-educated. We know some of us have a, a lot of problems due to where we're growing up in in our environment. Yes. But, but besides all of that, mm-hmm. we got a bigger problem with racism. The way that other people look at us. I agree. You know, you know what I mean? Because, but I'm not saying it's right, but the way we look at ourselves is bad, too. Yes. You know what I mean? Because. I'm walking down the street and I see some brothers with some hoods on, it makes me think twice. Right. So if it makes me think twice, I know it's gonna make somebody else think twice, but it doesn't give us the, get, does not give them the right to put a, but a that's lot based of off of your shooters.
5: experiences though. Like, it like you know, yeah. experience. It's
6: like, also based off conditioning. Mm-hmm. The conditioning is critical. Media is critical right. to the social agenda of any country. You understand? You take all Adolf Hitler before he did what he did in, mm-hmm. in, in Germany. He conducted a media campaign that sought to destroy the image, the image of a European Jew in the German mind before the physical Holocaust began. Mm-hmm. Same thing in America. Before you begin taking the black life, you must kill the image of the black life. Mm-hmm. So when you look at gangster rap, which plays a hand in it, mm-hmm. okay, when you look at mm-hmm. the way in which we're portrayed in movies, mm-hmm. when you look at the way in which we're portrayed on the radio, radio, popular media, magazines, uh, it is in a very negative way as if to say these people, the world will be better off without these people. That's why so they once leave
5: you, people criminal records when exactly, they kill them. Exactly, exactly, exactly.
6: In other words, it's not so bad that he died because he went to jail anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to kill the image before you kill the person. Why? Because people will take up for people who are unjustly treated. But if you can convince the world that we will be better off without these people by killing their image, then when the physical carnage begins, no one will care.
2: How do we change that, though? How, how do we change the way that America looks at African-Americans, and how do we change the fact... The fact that these uh, racist individuals, racist police officers stop pulling out the gun. See, I think it's, you have to penalize them, mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, it's kind of like a kid. You know, your kid does something bad, and you say, okay, it's okay, he's going to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you bust his ass, next time he's thinking about doing it, he's going to be like, well, you know what, my pops is going to bust my ass. I feel like the police officers that kill African-Americans, just kill people in general, they don't get penalized for it.
6: I agree with it. You're absolutely correct. For example, behavioral psychology, two basic laws is what? All behavior is a function Mm -hmm. of the context in which it takes place. The American racial hierarchy. It's it's a function of the context. And then it's a function of the consequences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you follow. Mm -hmm. So in other words, behavior never stands still. Whether it's you, whether it's the child, whether it's the country, whether it's the police. Behavior is always getting worse or it's always getting better. So when Zimmerman wasn't punished for Trayvon, that automatically created a context for it to happen again. Do, Do you understand? Walter Scott. Uh, Tamir Rice. It creates a context Michael so the Brown. next police officer Brown. says, well, wait a minute. I can be a little bit more trigger happy because the last five black men and women, Sandra Bland, who were murdered by police were not held accountable. So when you do nothing about misbehavior, mm-hmm. then you're actually supporting its repeating.
2: Now, itself. what do protests do? Because people protest and they say, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I love the unity and I, and I love the unity of African-American people. I, I, I wish we could be more unified when it's not just a, a brother dying. But I feel like sometimes the protest, what is it getting accomplished? Okay. You know? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you protest, you shut down a the highway, there's an ambulance that's trying to get somebody to a hospital, that person dies in the ambulance. You mm-hmm. know, I'm stuck in traffic, I can't pick up my kid at 5 p.m. So what is the protest actually doing? Is, is it going to make the cop look at us any better? Like, what can we do besides, I think, the protest? I don't know if the protest really worked.
6: Right, well, first of all, we got to keep in mind that the black person is normally dead before the ambulance shows up to get him in the first place. True, <laughs>
4: true,
6: true. <laughs> so let's be clear on that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Envy. Protest is the first stage of any political economic struggle. Right. Protest is your marketing program to let the world know what I stand for, what's happening to mm-hmm. me, and what I want. Protest allows you to control the public narrative about your struggle. Mm-hmm. Without the protest. The world doesn't know why you're doing what you're doing. That's so real. protest is important That's because real. it is your way to put out your message. Gotcha. So you can't do nothing without it. The problem with black people is there's nothing after the protest. Right. Do you understand? The protest becomes the goal instead of the means to the end. That's right. what I
5: keep asking. What is the solution? What's the next action? Like? We saw well, let me tell you what has that... to happen now. Okay.
6: Because now we're in a state of crisis for black America. Okay. Three things black America has failed to do which is going to keep this carnage machine in place, this police genocide. Number one, we have failed to publicly criticize and hold accountable the executive branch of the United States government, Mm -hmm. i.e., President Barack Obama, despite all the killings, despite all the murders, despite an unemployment rate and a dropout rate that is greater under a black president than it was under the two previous Republican presidents, black people have remained silent. Mm -hmm. Obama has ignored black folk. In fact, we are the only so-called minority population in the country for which he has done nothing nor has spoken significantly for our issues. Compare us to LBGT. They got three laws under Obama. Three. That is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. How many laws did black people get under Obama to protect us from police genocide or even to improve the schools or to reduce incarceration? Zero. Okay, they got a Supreme Court justice. Latinos got a Supreme Court justice. LBGT got a Supreme Court justice. President Obama had the opportunity to appoint the first African-American female Supreme Court justice, and he chose not to act. It's not all his fault, though. We have created a context where the president can ignore black people and get away with it because we told the entire world when he was elected that all he had to do was just be black and we were fine. Remember? He doesn't have to do anything but be black. That is the worst thing you can say as a marginalized oppressed group in such a racist country as this, as to tell the world that the president. The executive branch of the United States government does not have to be accountable for you.
5: That's for any head of state, though. Any head of state yes. we elect, we need to push I agree. and make sure things happen. But
6: Obama is the first president out of 44, the first one from George Washington up, that has not had to deal with any sort of public criticism from black people. Mm-hmm. And if he leaves office without any, here's the problem. If we, if we let Obama leave office without any condemnation from the black community, by virtue— you cannot hold Hillary or Trump mm-hmm. accountable for what they do not do for black people because you have now created a precedent where mm-hmm. a president can come in for eight years, ignore you, mm-hmm. even with police genocide, so and we, not receive well, any why criticism. Why do people make excuses? You know, and and I was always mad. I,
2: I was upset about this because I felt like he was our president, you know, and I, I felt like when certain things happen, I felt like he should be on the front lines because He's dealt and seen, and I'm sure he's been pulled over before. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's been racially profiled before. So I, it kind of bothered me when I see a lot of these individuals get shot and killed, and you don't really hear much from them. Exactly. Even to the thing with you know when he, he flew back to go to the, the, the you know the funerals and, and yes. to speak to the, the officers in Dallas, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. But then I also thought, well, what about Baton Rouge? exactly? What about exactly? Minnesota. What about Ferguson? He's not going to do that
6: because President Obama understands something that most blacks in America do not understand. The first business of America is racism. Let's be clear about something. Most white people in America Mm -hmm. okay, are also suffering economically, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm white Mm -hmm. in a country based on white privilege... What is my claim to fame if I don't have a decent education, don't have a good job? For many white people in this country, their only claim to fame is the fact that I can say I exercise privilege vis-a-vis black people. Obama understands that. So America is held together by the fact that the poor white man understands that he still exercises a privilege that the rich black man does not. And that's
5: what Donald Trump is reminding them. Donald Trump is reminding all oh, the white Trump people. Oh, Donald Trump changed the game, and let yeah. me tell you
6: why. They, the United States uh, power structure underestimated the impact of an unapologetically honest fool over the American electorate. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. In other words, Trump is saying to white folks, What white folks feel. Poor white folks, too. Yes, poor white folks. So you got a rich, wealthy white man appealing to poor white folks. You've never had that. But it's working because he is unapologetic. He's ignorant. He's a fool. But he's honest. Mm -hmm. And white folk can respect and identify with a white male who's willing to be honest. In other words, Donald Trump intentionally made sure he was the polar opposite of Barack Obama. Look at Obama. You ask Obama a question, you don't get an answer. You never get a straight answer from Obama. It's always what we got to see. Let's see what the Americans think. Now, go back to George Bush. George Bush told you what he he felt. He was another idiot, but he was honest. Mm -hmm. Trump is honest. The reason white folks are not rolling behind Hillary the way that the power structure wants them to is because Hillary is the same old thing. She's Clinton all over again. She's Obama all over again. She's a Bilderberg. She's politically correct. Her whole message is scripted. Trump's is not. So the issue now is how do we engineer an election where Hillary wins? Because right now, Trump is carrying the momentum. See, remember now, people don't choose the president anyway. Mm -hmm. But you want the people to choose the person you wanted. So the illusion of democracy continues to prevail. America is not a democracy. America is a republic. That's why when people pledge the flag, and I hope there's no black boys pledging the flag, but when people pledge the flag, they pledge the flag to the republic. The word democracy is not in the pledge. The word democracy is not in the preamble. The word democracy is not in the Constitution. The word democracy is not in any of the 50-state constitutions. So why is America called a democracy when it's really a republic? Because it is the illusion of inclusion, a belief that the people actually control its leaders when it does
5: not. So with that said, right, for for as much as we know that America has a, a history of racism institutionalized racism, systemic racism, why did Barack Obama become president? Why did he allow Barack Obama to become president? Excellent question.
6: Okay, every president that is elected is given a domestic mandate and an international mandate. There's something they need you to do domestically. There's something they need you to do internationally. Mm -hmm. For President Obama, his international mandate was to reopen Africa's resources to Western exploitation. George Bush destroyed the economic conversation between America and Africa. And as you know, Africa is the richest continent on the face of the earth. No country can survive without it. If you have a cell phone, laptop, television, uh, a car, airplane, it requires a substance, a material called cotan. The Congo is the number one producer of cotan on the globe. No Congo, no cell phones. So America needs Africa. Bush destroyed the relationship, though, with the African Union. With Obama's father being Kenyan and his mother being white, You understand? Mm -hmm. He was the perfect person to put in the White House to reopen up that relationship with Africa, which he has done, okay? And through AFRICOM, which is African Command, President Obama has successfully recolonized Africa in the name of Western financial interest at a rate we haven't seen since Africa was under colonialism. So he succeeded internationally. Mm -hmm. That was the international mandate. Get... The money back from Africa, the gold, the diamonds, the oil, the coltan, get it back. He got it. Some people will say that. Barack oh, did, uh, what's the domestic mandate? The domestic mandate. Mm-hmm. The reason President Obama was made president domestically is to brainwash and manipulate black America long enough so the American power structure could take every civil right that our ancestors fought for and give it to every other minority group So by the time Obama leaves office, all of our rights will be have taken from the other minority groups, and we will be back in the 1960s Jim Crow style.
5: So how does that work? Because I keep looking at the Constitution like, did they remix it for black people? It doesn't apply to you anyway.
6: Remember now, when the fourth, remember, 1865, you get the 13th Amendment. You're free. Okay. 1867, you get the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law. But the 14th, excuse me, 1866, but the 14th Amendment isn't ratified until 1868. Mm. You know why? Because you need two-thirds of the states to ratify an amendment. They said we're not giving black folks equal protection under the law. So what were you between 65, emancipation, and 68? Ratification of the 14th Amendment. You were simply a resident, not a citizen. Black people in America today are still residents, not citizens. And Mm. we confuse the words liberty with freedom. Liberty and freedom are not the same. White people have freedom. Black people have liberty. Mm. Freedom is the ability to make decisions without external control. Liberty is the ability to make decisions because an external control gave you the privilege. Do you Mm. see the difference? Mm -hmm. One of them, you got people doing what they want to do. The other, you can do what you want to do within these constraints because we still own you. That's exactly why Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves. Emancipation simply means to let go from bondage. It also means a transference of ownership from the individual to the state. They never eliminated slavery. They just transformed it.
2: Now, now people would say that Barack Obama did Obamacare, which helped a lot of African Americans get health care. They would say that he did that for African Americans. They would also say that he opened up the White House to a young person. That's your audience. shirt, by the way, you, my, you, my college tour. It. Thank you. Appreciate it. They said that, you know, that he would, that there are stuff that he does for the African American community. They say his. Hands are tied behind his back. Mm-hmm. It, there's no support in Congress.
4: They mm-hmm. said he's
2: opened up the White House to uh, musicians, artists, mm-hmm. to kids that normally wouldn't get a chance to see the White House, wouldn't get a chance to be in the White House, mm-hmm. wouldn't get a chance to learn in the White House. They said he's done a lot for youth.
6: You okay. Know? Do, you, do you agree? Or? I totally disagree. What has Obama do to, do, to change the uh, intentional... Exploitation of black children in special education. What has Obama done to increase the rate of African American teachers and principals? What has Obama done to modernize the schools in predominantly African American school districts? What has Obama done to reduce the suspension and expulsion rate of black children? I don't care how many Negroes are dancing in the White House, singing in the White House, and cooning in the White House. What have you done of substance, systematically? to improve the quality of life for black folk as you have done to improve the quality of life for Latinos, immigrants, and LBGP. Have Uh you you ever seen a good president in your lifetime? No, you you can never do that because America is based off racism. Uh It was founded on racism, which is ironic because when you listen to CNN and I was watching DL Hughley with Mm -hmm. the little piece that he had, they always talk about playing the race car. You understand? That is the most misleading concept I've ever heard of, playing the race car. When we was brought up here in slavery, Okay, was that playing a race card, or was that, racism? <laughs> that was racist? Do you want America is racism. From slavery to segregation. America is racism. When Birth of a Nation came out, the first major motion picture, which was a story about how letting black folks out of slavery would simply destroy the social context of America, guess where it was played? In the White House. The president had a private viewing of Birth of a Nation. Hold right, oh, on, did Nate Parker Nat Turner movie? No, 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 no. He re- okay, he sarcastically named his Nat Turner movie after the original original, birth of a nation, to take a hit at it.
5: Got you. Yes.
2: But, you know, a lot of people, you know. And we was at Nat
6: Land two days ago at the college tour.
2: You know, a lot of people say that, you know, that's not necessarily true. You know, they say that HBCUs are not warranted now, that they should be you know, historically black colleges are not needed. They say, you know, exactly. the NAACP is not needed. Exactly. And where did Mr. that v- argument come from,
6: Envy? Well, the argument came from since so you got a president man, in a what, White what
2: said the White so House. I wanted your opinion on what you felt about HBCUs and the NAACP because she feels like it's not necessarily warranted, that it should be open to everybody. And that Let me needed. say this.
6: As long as something is being done special to the black man and woman, something must be done specifically for the black man and woman to counteract that. So, for example, earlier when you said the Obamacare and things like that, mm-hmm. there are black folks who benefited from that envy. But in order to help us, you have to do something specifically for us because our history is specific. We're the only people in this country who are not of white skin who cannot be deported, which is the central challenge of the black predicament. What did W.E.B. Du Bois say? He said the number one problem of the 21st century will be the color line. I am gonna take it a step further. The number one problem of the 21st century in America is what do we do? with 40 million black folks who we do not want and cannot deport. This is why we are kept from realizing our true gifts and talents, because you cannot be sent back to Africa. Slavery psychologically destroyed your connection to your mother continent. For example, Chinese can be sent back to China. Latinos can be sent back to Cuba, Puerto Rico, or points beyond. Okay, An East Indian can be sent back to India. Okay, An Arab can be sent back to whatever Arabian nation from which they come. Where do you send African Americans back to? Because be send them back to Africa. Because your psychological connection was destroyed. Mm-hmm. You understand? So what do you do you don't with even these got
5: people Chick-fil-A in Africa, bro?
6: Cut it out. Sure what do know. you do with these people who you do not want and cannot deport? You must create a system of genocide from within. that seeks to remove them. That's why mass incarceration will never change. This is why people keep saying They spend millions of dollars on prison. It costs less to send them to school. So why are you spending this money on jail instead of sending them to school? Because this ain't about money. This is about an America that is free from black people. Mm. Police extermination fees that. Uh, Abortion, which is the number one killer. Most people don't understand this. More black babies are murdered in the stomach than they are on the street corner. And why? Because a black woman growing up in poverty with already a couple of children seeing how hard it is to make ends meet is probably going to think about potentially terminating that pregnancy Mm. it's not a moral issue it's a political economic white supremacist issue why bring another life in (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right thank you for that (laughs) all right (laughs) welcome back we're back we're back on the george Wilder jimmy show trump this is just in i mean this is he's giving another speech uh on top of the one he gave uh, at the United Nations, which was pathetic and embarrassing. Now, Trump uh, says to African leaders, he's saying this to, he's making a speech to leaders, and he said, I'm quoting, my friends go to, go to your countries to get rich. Uh, <laughs> this is no joke, folks. He also based Africa non-existent nature of Nambia. He praises Nambia. And there is no Nambia, if I'm pronouncing the uh, uh, former country, former nation, former content, uh, continent. Correctly, Tr- Trump should keep his mouth closed. Uh, he he embarrasses himself. He embarrasses this nation. He, I think Trump does. If I go on the limb and say, I don't think Trump just embarrasses uh, America. I think he embarrasses the world. I mean, this goes uh, to the world. This man—it's <laughs> not funny. A, a friend of mine on Facebook said George is not funny, and she's right. All of this garbage. That Trump is letting pour out of his mouth is not funny. But he actually believes when Trump is making a speech and saying a lot of this dumb, a lot of these dumb things, he actually, he actually believes what he's saying. Nobody else does, but he does. America is the laughing stock of the world. I don't have to say that 20 times. Most Americans, we know this. Most Americans know that Trump is an embarrassment. Everybody, everybody who's anybody knows that Trump is an embarrassment. The only person that know doesn't that doesn't know that Trump is a an embarrassment is Trump himself. I think that he hasn't. He hasn't. He shouldn't be nowhere near this. It's not the job. I mean he could think that Donald Trump is probably on the corners on the corner somewhere in some city selling watches. That's about <laughs> that's about the career for him. Out on the corner somewhere in some um ghetto or slum selling watches than being in the White House. I mean, this is something else. He's saying to African leaders now. My friends go to your countries to get rich. I'm quoting him. And he praised a non-existent African nation, a nation that doesn't exist. He praised, obviously, you know, uh, people are giving him things to read and because he can't write. He doesn't know anything about governing. Uh, pretty sure he has, these, he has speech writers who are giving him, uh, telling him what to say and how to say it. And he still screws it up. He still messes it up. You can't even mock a person without screwing it up, calling Kim Jong-un rocket man. I mean this guy is just an embarrassment and, and, and I keep and we keep wondering why is he still, why don't the Republicans do something? They have the power to, to get this guy out of office. but some, they, they, they want to keep where he is. Obviously, it's about money. It's about lining their pockets. I think once the Republicans find out that Trump is a liability to their pocketbooks, they're going to think twice and try to get this guy out of office. To the Republicans in Congress, he is not a liability, and they don't give a damn how pissed off we are about this guy in office, how much we want him impeached. They're not going to do a damn thing even though they know that they can lose their seats. November 2018, come November 6th, 2018, they could lose, but still gonna kiss Trump's ass and just give the the American people. And while he constantly going around the world embarrassing the United States with this dribble that comes out of his mouth. Trump doesn't know the first thing about governing. He doesn't know about government. He doesn't know the first thing about law. He doesn't he doesn't know the Constitution and he doesn't about knowing the Constitution. But he's president of the United States of debacle. We are in a nightmare. We we are in a nightmare that has come real live. I mean, this is a live nightmare. And uh, I'm pretty sure Trump is probably gonna want to Catch his mistake, catch his graph, and he's going to come out the next day or the next hour and correct himself on this one, too. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the leaders around the world, other leaders, and leaders included, leaders all over the world, whenever Trump gets up to make a speech, everybody cringes. So does the American people. And I'll say this again. I don't know what the hell is wrong with these spineless ass Republicans. They will not spare this country from this man who is destroying it. Because he knows nothing about what he's doing. He's faking. He's just going by the numbers on this thing. He doesn't know anything about it. He never ran for office. He's a a clown. He's a TV personality. Not a very good one at that. He's a sexual assaulter. There's so many women out here. I, there was, you know, I, I wonder what happened to all those lawsuits that the women have brought against him. About four or five months ago, I'm pretty sure they were paid off. <laughs> paid off not to uh, uh, have Trump uh, in court. They were paid off, you know. I mean, uh, this guy is not uh, presidential. Uh, He's not uh, the guy that should be in the Oval Office. He doesn't know what he's doing. He tries to act like he knows what he's doing. People are trying to prep him to be president, and it ain't working. If Donald Trump is not Donald Trump, everything that comes out of his mouth is awful. You got some people who are staring and looking at Donald Trump and saying, what the hell are we into? And these are people in his own party, his own party. His own party. And there's no doubt about it. Donald Trump is someone even the Republicans can't trust. They, don't, they can't trust because he will throw them under the bus. And Donald Trump bites the hand that feeds him. Uh, he bites the hand that can impeach him. Why would you turn your back and say rotten things and do rotten things to the people who have the power to throw your ass out of office? But somehow they don't have the balls to do that. And there there must be reasons to why the Republicans will not act on uh, getting rid of Donald Trump. It's money. Maybe it's it's their donors. Maybe it is their individual donors who are saying leave Donald Trump where he is or we're going to cut off the money. That's a possibility. I know they can't be afraid of Donald Trump. I know they don't think Donald Trump is their boss. Donald Trump works for the American people, whether we voted for him or not. There are three equal branches of government. Trump is not an emperor. He is not a king. He is not world-dominating. He's just the president of the United States who does four years and his ass is out. If he makes it that far. He makes it that far. So there's three co-equals branch of government. There's the executives, the judicial, and the legislative, And they all have equal amount of power. The senators and representatives in Congress, they do not work for Donald Trump. If they work for Donald Trump... <laughs> Most of them, if not all of them, all of them would be fired by now. Donald Trump hates like hell that he can't fire these people. But anyway, we have to light a fire under the Republicans because this guy is beginning. Well, he always have been hard to take. But, you know, you got Republicans in Congress and in office. Who will not do anything to get this embarrassment off the American people?
4: Heaven help
1: the child who never had a home. Heaven help. Never help the roses, if the bombs begin to fall Never, never Never
4: hmm. help the black
1: man, if he struggles one more day
0: Thank my Tarita Buchanan, appeared on the show. Make sure you go get a book, uh, poetry. Uh, her website is um, moher.com. Check that out. And thanks everybody for listening to the George Water Junior Show. Bye bye, everybody. I hope you join me tomorrow. Bye bye.